welcome back to episode number 60 of the New York Panthers podcast in partnership with Inside the Rink. I'm your host, Jacob Berkowitz, and I'm alongside my co-host, Brett Analuca. And today, we're going to be talking with the legends himself, Bill Pito. We're going to be discussing the broadcast, the Rangers' second half, and our own fastest 150 seconds on a podcast. But first, just want to let you guys know to go to InsideTheRink.com slash ESPN, subscribe to ESPN Plus to watch games and more. And yeah, let's get to it. And we are back. Mr. MSG150, Bill Pito, how's it going? All right, boys, what's happening? Good to be on with you here. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Yeah, we appreciate uh, it. We're all really big fans here, so uh, we're just going to dive in right away here. Um, One thing I've always wondered is, what is it like watching the games in the studio? Like, are you able to watch the whole game? And if so, are are you watching and discussing it with the other guys there too? Like, what is that? Kind of walk us through that experience. So, you know, I always find that when I'm hosting, and I'm the Knicks host, so I always make sure that when I'm – covering the game I'm uh, watching our announcers because you need their commentary as to who's doing what the runs in the game uh, we have the option to go into the arena but I, I would find it very difficult to know the specifics of what's going on if I'm actually hosting and in the arena for the Rangers I don't host as you guys know I do the 150 so I don't really hang out in the green room that much and watch with John Henrik and or Steve uh, but when they are in there. They're talking about the game just as you guys, I'm sure, are when you're watching it. They're, you know, as three guys sitting around watching the game. Our producer, Paula McHale, is in there, too. They talk about trends. They talk about what's going on. I don't think it would be any different than any three people or four people who would be watching the game. So speaking of uh, watching the game, who's like the biggest Rangers fan in the studio? Who's like the one jumping up and down when the Rangers like score? Well, I'm sure you've seen on Twitter that Steve Aliquette gets yeah. pretty elevated when good things happen. I, mean, you know, you know Henrik. We love Henrik. Uh, Henrik's been an incredible addition, and what's amazing about him is how team oriented he is. You know, he's come in with no ego. He's so much fun. I have so much fun with him messing around with him on the 150, whether it's a goalie play or some something to do with something happening in Sweden, or uh, he's just been such a joy to, to work with. He cares. Obviously, he's passionate about it, but I would say, and John Giannone is, is you know, a Ranger historian. He's passionate about the team. He's been covering the team for a couple of decades. But I would say when something happens that's really exciting, it's Valaket who may have the most uh, most visceral and most uh, observable reaction. Nice. Something I've always wondered, why is it that there's, you know, this is a question going back to your ESPN days, but, you know, covering so much baseball. Why is it that there's so many man or managers in baseball that were former catchers, yet there's so little or so few goalies that transition into head coaches in hockey? Yet you look at, you know, in the studio, Blunquist and Valaket give such good commentary and just they're so intelligent about the game. I feel like there'd be more goalies that transition well into that role. Really interesting question. You know, Patrick Wall, of course, is coached. Uh, we know that for sure. Uh, I I think that the goalie in hockey is less social than, for example, the catcher in baseball. The, the catcher in baseball has to interact, uh, obviously. I think the goalie, and I'm not saying that this is the reason, but I, I think that the goalie is a very uh, isolated player on the team who kind of works with, like in the Rangers case, Benoit Lair takes over the whole coaching of the goalies, the scheduling of the goalies. And whether or not it's the correct perception, I think the per- perception is that they are maybe not used to being around a group, interacting with the group, 
and that they're more isolationist, so to speak. And maybe that's the reason. But that's a great question. I don't really have the answer to that. It's a good theory. I can I can see that. Um, going back to the colleagues, uh, is there anything funny about one of your colleagues in the studio that we as fans don't know about or don't get to see any sort of weird peccadillos or anything that we don't know about that you could share? Um, you know, Valley is, uh, I just, uh, I'm so biased, obviously, because I work with him so closely and I like him so personally, but I, I just think he's changed the way hockey should be and is analyzed. I, I sounds like you guys are, uh, been covering the game for years, fans, whatever the case may be. For the first time, we have reasons why things happen. Mm. Hockey commentary to me in many ways has been very generic, you know, catchphrase, cliches, pucks to the net, you know, move your feet, play an honest game, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and Valley has really, to me, given you reasons why things happen in terms of the shots, the nature of the shots, the nature of the end-to-end -end breaks, the way it just, just changed the whole way to me to look at the game. And that's been perhaps the most enlightening thing about my experience here working with Steve over the last handful of years for sure. So was there any, is there any story behind or like how did the MSG 150 come about or they just uh, told you this is what we're doing or is there like a story behind it? All right. So if you look at the deal, particularly in hockey, it's three segments. It's a long break. Um, and they were looking for our management, I guess, 10, 12 years ago now to try to do something that would maybe keep the audience and try to liven things up between periods. And they came up with the MSG 150 because it's two and a half minutes. That's the length of the segment. So the way this has evolved, uh, we the, the producer I work with, Jeff Ostella, is really the mastermind behind the content. He does such an amazing job of finding these clips night after night, finding the stuff that's entertaining, finding the stuff that's offbeat. And then he he's the one that puts the clips together so that it times out. Uh, if you notice, I don't have any, it's not my issue to time it. I just handle and and execute the material that's in front of me. I can't control the timing. So if you always notice, I come on at the end with five seconds. I begin with three seconds, three to five seconds before the first tape. So got 10 seconds basically that he needs total for me to be on camera. And the rest, he's got a timeout with the video. Think about it. And when we're crashing here for the post-game 150 with all these games happening, He's got to make sure, well, I can't go 25 seconds in the Islander game. I only have time for 17 seconds in the Islander game. So he has done such a remarkable job coming up with the content. And then obviously I add my own flair to it. But, you know, you're only as good as the material. And Jeff Ostella, you know, we've won, thankfully, a lot of awards uh, for best sports cast in, in New York. And, and he's the main reason behind that. As someone who's <clears throat> covered the NHL for about, I mean, 25 plus years at this point now. What are some things that the NHL, you you think that they can do to continue to grow the game? Because right now the the talent in the league is, it's just every other way, every way you look, there there's so much talent just brimming everywhere. What are some things you think that could kind of take the league to the next step? I don't know if you guys saw, but very interesting commentary and discussion coming out of All-Star Weekend, namely maybe extending the regular season to 84 games and increasing the games total between teams in the same division. You know, Islanders Rangers only playing three times and being done 
now for the rest of the season, I would think we all agree would be great to have that tweaked a little bit. So I think more games within the division would be a positive. Uh, they're also talking about just going potentially straight one through eight for the playoff spots, uh, as opposed to the current situation with the wild card scenario where you can cross over. I would also be a huge fan of a plan situation because that's been huge in the NBA. I don't know how much you guys follow the NBA, but one through six is a lock. And then seven plays eight and nine plays 10. Seven, eight winner is seventh. Seven, eight loser plays winner of nine, 10. Great. One game for all of it. And I think that would be incredible if maybe the NHL adds a plan scenario for the last two spots in each conference. Makes sense. The parity is so close, especially when you get into the bubble teams to to have more teams have a, a one game shot. So I like that idea. Um, I know we have limited time, so I do want to get into some uh, a little bit of Rangers analysis for you. Um, first one up here is, you know, after a few years of developing, it's very clear that Heedle is arriving now this year. Uh, is there anything that you're seeing on or off the ice with him um, that you're seeing that he's doing differently? Well, he's getting results. Scoring. I think he's on pace for 29 goals. Obviously, the contract uh, with his situation, the way he's playing, could be a little bit of a challenge. But I just think now that he's converting his chances. And the way this has worked out now is he might be your number two center, uh, which I think there was a question about that. And, you know, if he fits in there in the kid line, maybe can be considered your number two line uh, at this point. My thing with them is not the goaltending and it's not the defense. It's going to be okay. Can they get a top six winger? I think we all agree that that's a real need here. Uh, potentially, if they can add somebody, that would be a real help. Absolutely. Does he just does he appear different to you at all? Does he appear more confident this year as he's getting those results at all? Yeah, I th I think he'll. You know, the whole thing is is that one thing that we don't take into account. I don't think I I, I probably don't necessarily as well as I should when these guys come in. They're so young, nineteen twenty years old. It's not easy to make the transition right away. I think Hedl came in obviously young. Uh, he's taken a couple of years to, to develop, but the point is, is that when you start getting results like he is now, you can see his confidence grow. So I think, is it the chicken or the egg? Is it uh, the results giving him confidence or confidence getting him the results? I think in a lot of ways, confidence follows results. And I think that has been uh, really uh, the key for him here this year. Gotcha. Um, speaking of uh, players that are coming into their own, is there anyone uh, you think that is poised in the second half of the season that's going to have like a true breakout? Well, I think Capo Caco is someone that, uh, you know, you talk about with Hedl not getting, uh, now getting the results. Um, Capo Caco deserves better results. Uh, and I think if he gets better results, then you're going to start seeing his play uptick in terms of the production we all know he gets a tremendous amount of opportunity. And I think for whatever reason, the kid line is really effective. And I think we were talking at work, actually. One of the things about the kid line and the success, you got three young players that are not concerned about being deferential. When these guys play with the veterans, I think that they're too concerned about paying respect, being deferential to whether it's a Kreider or as a Banajad or a Panarin or whoever they may be playing. When it's the three of them together, I think they just play. So I think the kid line together, because of those dynamics and because of an improving heedle, and maybe Kako can start getting it going. I think that's a really good trio here for, for the Rangers and, and for us fans to watch down the stretch. We all know how great they were in last year's playoffs for sure. 
is there anything that you've noticed that is, you know, the, the average fan who can watch on TV doesn't have the access that you have? Is there anything that you have noticed that kind of are very similar between Lundqvist and Shesterkin, how we've bridged the gap of, you know, 15 to 20 years now with generational talent goals? Well, um, look, Lundqvist is an amazing story. Uh, seventh round draft pick. Somehow he got his chance. And when he got his chance, he was able to make the most of it. And, you know, one of the things that Valaket talks about and Shesterkin, you don't know if you have a number one until the number one gets the opportunity to play night after night. A lot of goalies are not suited for the mental aspect of, okay, I gave up four goals. I have to come back and start two nights later. I think we take that for granted. When you are a starting goalie in this league, like a Lundqvist or a Shesterkin, your whole mindset has to be the ability to bounce back and the mental toughness to put a bad period or a bad game behind you. So I think when you go from Lundqvist to Shesterkin, you say, okay, we know Shesterkin has a skill set, but I don't think anybody can know about the mental state of these guys until they're thrown into that number one spot. Look, Colorado took a huge gamble, in my mind, with Alexander Georgiev, because they said, okay, we know that you're a backup, but we're going to make you our number one goalie. And that's a huge risk. Who knows if Georgiev can do it time after time after time, and you don't know what's going to happen come playoff time. But he's been really good overall. And the point with Colorado is they think that they're so good that they can maybe make, uh, make up for a goalie who maybe is not an A-plus, but maybe is a B-plus. Point is, right. overall here, you don't know about the mental outlook of these guys until they get the chance. And with Shesterkin, again, they've hit a home run. Absolutely. Um, you know, uh, obviously you were a host of NHL Tonight uh, back in the 90s and baseball tonight as well. Um, we all love those old ESPN commercials. Were you ever a part of any of those, or do you have a favorite one that you remember? Yeah, so I, I actually, um, the Black Widow uh, documentary, you know, the pool player was just yeah, on yeah. 30 for 30. Yeah. I did a, a, if you guys look it up, it's on YouTube. Uh, I actually did a commercial with her on opposite ends of the pool table. And when I opened up my container for the um, the queue, it was a sandwich. And I took a bite out of the sandwich. So that oh, nice. was... <laughs> I also was in a Sports Center swimsuit commercial uh, with Linda Cohn and Stuart Scott. That was a takeoff on the old Sports Illustrated swimsuit uh, issues that used to be so famous. Um, but I got to tell you something. Those were so big. Back in that era. Yeah. And we all were dying to be in those commercials. Now, the stars of the network at that time were Dan and Keith and Stuart and Kenny Main. They were in the vast majority of those. But for someone like me, who was like in that era, probably the eighth or ninth man, uh, to get into some of the ones that I did, I cannot tell you what a thrill that was. And it was, they would come to you. It's not like you had any say in what you were in. But when you were picked to be in one, man, that what a thrill that was. And you know what? There's some jealousy, to be honest, about not getting into some of the others. But uh, just getting into some of the ones that I got into is is just a great thrill. Nice. Yeah. I can't wait to watch mm -hmm. those. So, yeah, so if you do, uh, you can do a Google on that. We'll do. Yeah. I'm going to have a look at that up after this. Um, uh, going back to Rangers hockey, is there anything in particular that you're seeing that you really like a certain way they're playing 
whether it's on the defensive off- offensive side or something more specific that people may not notice? Well, I, I just think you got the, the young D is just, you know, Miller's taking the next step. Fox is already one of the top D in the whole league. Truba's gotten better, which is key. Uh, what's interesting to me is that at the sixth spot, they thought that they would sign Harper here. You know, that that's interesting to me. Um, long story short here, they got the goalie, they got the D. The question is, will they be able to, to get maybe a winger uh, to help the, the top six? I think that it all comes down to that. You know, you look at the standings here as we begin the second half. There's six points out of second. That may be tough to make up. But on the other side, they're pretty safe in the wild card territory. You know, if you end the season right now and they play the Devils in the first round, I think that could be that could be a huge challenge. Could be a great series. Um, but I mean, what do you guys think? If you were uh, Drury, what would you want to do right now? Um, yeah. Um, personally, I I like I really like the core of this team. Yeah, I agree. I think maybe they want to add a top six winger. Um, what my concern was is obviously their competence seems in the top six defensemen that they have, but. The concern I have is what happens if one of them go down well, because of the injury. Right. Well, that's that's a good point. So yeah. let's, not, let's not talk about it. We, we, not, we don't we don't want to no injuries. No heads. No injuries. No, 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 no. Knocking knocking on wood right there. No, but that's yeah. a really that's a good question. And you know, they've been overall, yeah, Heedle's been banged up a little bit, but they Kreider, you know, minor shoulder situation, they've been remarkably healthy. Yeah. Oh, you, yeah. That's a really you know, something I don't think we talk about. You look at the run here the last couple, who's been hurt? Yeah. We've gotten so lucky the past now, few years. gets has been banged up, but, you know, Kako a little bit last little year, bit, right? Yeah. But overall, you know, healthy. Yeah. Yeah, we've been we've been very blessed in that regard, that's for sure. Not having to deal with really long key injuries. It's been uh, a huge help for us. And knocking on wood that that keeps on. Um, we know your time is precious here. Uh, we don't want to keep it too long. So we'd like to end with a little segment where we're going to do our own 150, the fastest 150 seconds on a podcast here. So I'm going to ask you 11. All right, you rap- got to start the clock, though. Now. <laughs> <laughs> I'll start the clock here. Let me get my timer going. All right, I'll start. You, you want to time it out exactly to a two and a half minutes? Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll do that right now. So I'll, I'll, I'll start, start my watch, watch, too. Right. Can't right. go over, boys. If you go over, you're screwed. All right, let's, let's, let's <laughs> hold do on, it. Hold on. All right, all right. <laughs> I'm going to get my uh... – okay. All right, I'm, we're going two and a half minutes. Ready? Tell me when. All right, three, two, one, go. Okay. One. Is Panarin as goofy in real life as he is on camera? Uh, yeah, he is. All right. Uh, will all three tri-state teams make the playoffs? Islanders will not. Wow. All right. Uh, who was your favorite hockey player growing up? Um, I, I would say I've always loved Wayne Gretzky. Can't go wrong with Gretz. Uh, who's your? Uh, who would you rather go on vacation with, Hank or Valley? Uh, that's I can't answer. Got to take them both. It's gotta either none or both. <laughs> Neither or both. Neither or both. All right, gotcha. Uh, here's a tough one. Does Sam Rosen cheat on the Cadillac trivia questions? Never. It is completely <laughs> above board. Always, hundred percent. You're not winking right now. I'm not winking. All right, very you good. You can't see, so maybe I am winking. All right. <laughs> uh, favorite slang term that you've used on the MSG 150? I tell you, I don't know what you guys think. I've kind of scaled that back, but no cap, no kizzy was a huge, I mean, it just, you guys think I should go back to that or not? Yeah. Oh, we love it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Is that right? All for All right. it. Yep. What, yep. What, uh, no cap, no kizzy. It hits different. What else? 
Yeah. Yeah. No cap no. because he was good. Yeah. How about Sam? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> we love it all. Um, all right. Uh, the Your favorite sports game that you've been to? Uh, it's an NBA game. It was significant in terms of uh, the Knicks. I was there when the Spurs in 99 wrapped up the championship, won game five at the Garden to win the series four games to one. Avery Johnson, I'll never forget the key baseline jumper, like 48 seconds to go. So in terms of significance, that's probably the most significant sporting event I've ever seen in person. Excellent. Favorite non-New York, non-hockey team? So I'm originally from Manhattan. Uh, moved west when I was seven. And was a huge 49er fan growing up, the days nice. of Joe Montana. Worst loss I've ever witnessed was when the Niners were going for a third championship against the Giants, NFC title game. Roger Craig fumbled. Giants get it back. Bar hits the field goal. They win 15-13 and go on to win their first Super Bowl. As a nice. Niners fan, I'm never going to get over that one because they could have won three championships in a row. All right, I just got one question left here. Um, are you a fan of the offense? Oh, we went over two and a half. Oh, I don't get it. All uh, right, go ahead. <laughs> overtime. Do you want overtime? Do you watch the office? And if so, did you graduate from Cornell with Andy Bernard? Uh, I do not watch the office. I did go to Cornell and I graduated by the skin of my chinny chin chin. I do have my degree, <laughs> but it was not a layup. <laughs> All right, very good, very good. All righty. Bill, uh, once again, thank you so much for coming on. We greatly appreciate it. Uh, it was terrific. Um, yeah, hopefully maybe some other time we could have you on. And uh, Yeah, why don't we do one before the playoffs? Would love yeah. to. Would love to. All right. Absolutely. You got my information yeah. anytime. Anytime. Perfect. I really enjoyed it. You guys do great stuff. Thank really you so much. Very much. You guys are really perceptive. Seriously. Thank you very Thank much, you. Bill. We're we're massive fans of you, and we, we love Thanks. having you on. So we'd love to do this again. Thank you so Anytime. much. Anytime. All righty. My pleasure. All right, guys. All right, see you later, okay? All right. All see right. you. Take care. Bye. Bye. All righty. We're back uh, once again to Bill Peedle. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, we are truly – I got to say, we are truly spoiled uh, with MSG Networks, with him, John Giannou, Henrik Lundqvist, Steve Alcat. Uh Very, very uh, spoiled there with the content and great stuff they uh, they give us. All righty, Brett. What, 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 I don't know. Yeah, that was great. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I've been a huge fan of Bill Peter for a long time, and so it was just an absolute joy to be able to talk with him. Uh, truly just an absolute excitement. And I'm, I'm still buzzing from it, to be perfectly honest. But um, it just kind of really reminds me of just, like, how lucky we are uh, as Rangers fans to have the people that we have at MSG. Uh, I mean, just from the top, you have Sam Rosen, who's just an absolute legend, consummate professional. Uh, and the thing that I, I think I love most about Sam is that – he, he loves the game, and even though obviously he's rooting for the Rangers, unlike so many other regional broadcasters, he spends a great deal of time in the game talking about discussing the other teams, the other players. I learn a lot about other teams uh, from watching them. Um, you know, sometimes you you watch uh, an away feed in the Rangers; they don't even talk about your players. You think that we don't have the reigning Vesna or a Fox, you know, Fox being a Norris winner because right. they don't even mention those guys. But Sam does. He goes into detail and he also shows excitement for the game, even when it's not against, you know, even when something is negative you know, for the Rangers. And that is something that that sort of, uh, you know, attempt at unbiased, you know, professionalism is just something that I appreciate so much because I don't need a diehard homer complaining about everything and showing a one sided broadcast. So having him and then the chemistry that he has with Joe Micheletti, you can tell how much they enjoy each other, how much they bounce off each other. And that's just in the broadcast booth is just phenomenal we're so lucky there 
And then it's like you go, you know, into the intermission reports. We have Steve Valquette, who is the best analyst in the league. And I will die on that hill against anybody. I know, I mean, not to brag or anything, but I like, I, I feel like I'm very well versed in hockey and how the game is played and I'm good at watching it and analyzing it. And I still, every time he talks, I learn something more about the game that I didn't know before. And that's something that I can't say for so many other analysts in the game where he actually points out something that I didn't notice or has the stats to back up something that I wasn't sure of, you know, being a trend or whatnot. Um, and, and, and not only just that, just what a personality too. So to have him is just phenomenal. And then you add in Hank to that. And it's just like an absolute, oh, yeah, just casually, casually add in Hank, casually add in Hank. It's just an embarrassment of rich. I mean, cause he has to be one of the most sought after player personalities in the business right now. And so the tandem of him and Valley is just incredible. Uh, the rapport that they obviously have both as, you know, Rangers fans and goalies and ex teammates as well. You know, I honestly wish that they had an hour long show between the two of them weekly where they broke down the game, you know, from around the league. Because then right. I could learn even more. But we're so lucky to be able to have them on, um, you know, in the intermissions. It's just incredible. And then you add in a personality like Bill Pito at intermission. It's just like the cherry on top. And it's what makes MSG broadcast so special. It's like uh, my cousin, Craig Maloney, who isn't a Rangers fan, but he watches a lot of hockey. And he told me that, like, he loves the MSG 150s. Like, man, that is just one of the best segments. Um, and so it's not even just us as fans being biased and loving the segments that we get familiar with that even somebody outside of its season is like, man, that is just damn good viewing. Um, and then you have a consummate professional anchoring it like John Gianone. And it's just like the level that MSG operates on with their personalities is just absolutely second to none. Um, and then even outside of MSG, having reporters like Vince, Colin, Amali, and Arthur covering the team, it's like we just get the best of the best in all aspects of the coverage for our team. And I'm just like, it's just incredible. And like, I'm, do I'm, like do we realize compared to other teams, like everyone, like we're, we're so used to this. Everyone thinks, oh, this is like normal. Every other team has this type of thing. Like, no, well, it's this is this is top tier stuff right here. Truly special. And if you're, and I think because a lot of people only watch their team's games, you know, I, I watch, you know, I don't watch, I, I don't watch everybody. It's impossible. I'm not the hockey guy on YouTube. It's another incredible personality. Love that guy. But, um, you know, I don't have the time to do that, but I definitely watch several games outside of the Rangers every week. So I do see a lot of regional broadcasts and whatnot. And some of them are good, but I don't think any of them are great, especially in terms of like analysis. Um, it, it just, uh, it's just not the same level of professionalism and, and just, uh, yeah, I, I just, I can't say enough about it. And yeah, we, you know, as fans, you always, you, you tend to, uh, you know, sometimes you get complaining about the stuff and how things are because uh, you can get, you get complacent with what you have, but we really should be very thankful as Rangers fans to get the level of coverage that we get from them. Yeah, it is terrific. So whether you're listening to this, uh, today or tomorrow after the Rangers play, this kind of uh, remains the same. Halak starting versus Calgary. Um, I'm sure people are wondering why why he's starting when they went back from the All Star Gate. Personally, for me, you never doubt Benoit Allaire ever. Just personally, yeah. for me, I mean, I don't know what you think, but like when you think about it like this, is what's what's better if let's say you have. I mean, this is a pretty small sample size, but let's say you have a month, right? And you have uh, you have one day um, where you don't have to do any work. You, you're ju you just uh, have vacation for one day each individual week, right? And would you rather one day every week 
or would you rather smack in the middle of the month five days in a row, four days in a row, right? You got what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah so yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like that is Benoit Lair's philosophy. You're like, hold on now. We had the bye week and the all-star week together. What if we just give Shesterkin a little more time, right? Does that make any sense for you? Or or am I or am I spewing stuff here? Uh, you know, I mean, from the first thing you said, Benoit Lair deserves every benefit of the doubt. I mean, that guy they should create a new Hall of Fame category for uh, for goalie coaches because he deserves to be in there. So, yeah, I, I don't question anything Benoit Lair does. Um, and if that is truly what he thinks is best, then that is what is best. Um, yeah. It doesn't intuitively make a lot of sense to me because, I mean, Chessie, all he did was play in the All-Star game. I mean, he's had a ton of time off. And he he didn't start – you know, Halak started the last game against the Knights before the break too. So Chessie hasn't started in a while, which is why I was surprised, especially because – we're playing the Canucks, who are, let's be honest, are pretty garbage on Wednesday, and then Friday and Saturday we have back-to-backs against Kraken, who lead the uh, who lead the Pacific, and then we got the Canes right after. So obviously they're both going to be one, you know, they're both going to be starting one of those two games. So it just seemed like an odd choice to me. Like if if it's just me looking at it, I would say start Chessie tonight uh, against Calgary because I mean it's not like Calgary is a, a, a juggernaut, but they're a damn good team still too. Right. You know, they're still they also for have a lot more, uh, they could have a lot more confidence in a lock now the way he's been playing. I remember we, we yeah, that's true. The, he's been playing terrific. Uh, I don't remember his exact save percentage. I think, was, I think this shows the confidence that they have in him for sure. Absolutely. A hundred percent. He's if they weren't terrific. If they weren't sure about that, you can be damn sure that, that he would be the one starting against the Canucks. You right. Know? So it looks, so it looks likely that like Halak tonight, I mean, that is what has been confirmed. GG already confirmed that. Um, I'm sure Chessie will play against Canucks on Wednesday. Maybe that's just to seal off an easy win and make sure we don't lose to a scrub team and 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 lose momentum and confidence. Maybe that plays into the decision. And then, right, because you know you're gonna have to. It's do... just whenever, even if I look at something and I have question about it, but someone says uh, about goalies and says, so "Oh yeah, Benoit Lair came up with this." I'm like, "Oh okay, then then you know then, then say no more." That's. Uh... <laughs> yeah, and, and, and I mean, Gallant has said that before, too, that, you know, when he's questioned about starts, is he's like, well, that's that's what Benny says, you know. And so it's like, well, there ain't no arguing yeah. with that. You know, we may have questions sometimes about line of decisions, you know, uh, you know, otherwise. But, like, if, if that's what he says, then, like, oh, all right, I'm all for it. Who, who am I? You're right. Who am I to say anything? It's the goalie guru right there. here. Yeah, the, absolutely. The guru, guru, uh, goalie god, even. Uh, I mean, he is just – he's another level. Um so yeah, I, I did find it interesting though when I saw that Vince had, had confirmed that that Halak was starting. It just seemed it just seemed odd, but I'm not complaining about it either. I, you know, I, I think too down the stretch, especially uh, especially because Halak has played well, is that you know this might be some load management sort of stuff to make sure that Chesty is healthy because obviously this team is primed and set up to be going into the playoffs and. You know, once we get to the playoffs, obviously it's going to be Chessy, 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 Chessy. There's right. not going to be it's a, unless there's an injury. It's a tricky line because you don't want to give him enough break where he gets rusty. Right. You don't want to give him enough load management where it, you give him enough too many games where he starts getting exhausted. It's a very fine line in the middle where you got to make sure, you know, it doesn't end up one of those two. It's got to be in the middle. And yeah, with, with uh, Benoit Lair, full confidence right there. And yeah, he, he knows where his guys are at. I mean, he knows where his guys are at. I mean, and, and, this this team only goes as far as Shesterkin decides they go. Yeah, basically. I mean, and that's often the case, especially in the playoffs of the goal. Yeah, game. it's not it's not speaking to the team itself. It's just any any team. Like besides Colorado, they were kind of the exception to the rule. But yeah. any team uh, having a chance of winning the Stanley Cup, it's usually the goalie is their backbone. 
Yeah, like, I mean, just look at, I mean, not to bring up a sore subject with Rangers fans, but like, you know, look at the Kings and Quick. Like, the Kings are not beating us, you know, back then if Quick wasn't standing on his head for that whole series. Like, it just doesn't happen. You know, if Quick wasn't the playoff goaltender that he was, there's absolutely no way we're not hoisting the cup. It's frustrating, though, now that you mentioned that. Um, I, I don't know. I remember a couple of weeks ago where I was uh, I was talking on a chat where it was like we were talking about Jonathan Quick. I'm like, someone mentioned like, dude, if ever the Holy just figured out that you shoot uh, high up on Quick, we might have had a better chance because if, if you notice his game, he goes down so quickly. He does. He so, does. Brian, Bo- Brian Boyle. It's funny. Brian Boyle in the finals, if you remember, figured that out. He was yeah. on the penalty kill. And he quickly faked the shot, went around, and that allowed Quick to go down quick, quicker. And, and, roofed it. and then he just roofed it. Like, yeah, he he figured that out. Um, yeah, it, honestly, it's something where I've, I've discussed this with my brothers before, too, where it really seems like a lot of shooters prefer trying to go five hole. And I don't understand why, because I mean, I understand as a, as a shooter, sometimes it looks attractive because it looks open and you're like, I can get this shot down. Uh, before he can close that gap but especially with the way modern goaltenders are playing where they do go they play deeper in their net thank you Hank and they play uh, and they go down so quickly it seems like you should be preferring to shoot high now I get that also you shoot low you also have increased the chance of rebounds and things like that too but sometimes I see guys and it's clear that they're aiming five hole and I'm like but the top shelf is wide open yeah, so there's, I, it's there's been, a lot of times. Like, not even that you have to roof it. Sometimes, like, a guy sitting there and the goalie is able to make, you know, a, 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 he throws out his blocker and, and, and just makes that save because the guy didn't raise the puck. He just tried to get a flat. I'm like, just flip it. Flip it. Right, you're right, NHL exactly. Goal, I mean, you're an NHL uh, you know, player. You should be able to raise that puck on command in almost any situation. So sometimes it's incredibly frustrating. But, yeah, with with quick, that is that is the cheat code for him, for sure. Um, it's also – I mean, yeah, sorry. Uh, I just want to say it's also that when someone's on a breakaway, you literally see their stick, like the the face of their blade down. So, you know, automatically they're going five hole. I'm like, we, we know by the time you reach even like where the red dots are in between them, we all know you're going five hole. Right. So yeah. so the, all the goalie, goalie just looks at that. Okay. Like you're going five. What, what else are you doing? But if you have your blade a little up showing that you're going to, you know, roof it, they're not going to go down as quickly. And all of a sudden you could tuck it right in five hole. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. For sure. Yeah. And the thing that I, that I think, I think players that uh, score a lot that I've noticed like real goal scores is how often they actually shoot with their backhand because it's so fucking hard to read as a goaltender. Oh, it was um, the worst. I had it last backhand. week. Actually, I had it last week. There was a guy that was on a breakaway and you don't see this a lot, but you know, when I don't know how to explain it, basically he went some freaking reason he went backhand on his breakaway. Now I'm not talking about he deked you out and went to the side. I'm talking about by the time he was a little further than the in between the red dots, he just went to his backhand and shot yeah. it. Like I'm like, who the hell does that? And it's like you can't predict it. It's not. It's not like the front of the blade where you can predict where exactly the shot's going to go. You know who does that a lot to great success? It's Adam Fox. Oh, 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 wow. yeah. I, I, Fox, I, 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 I can, I can. Oh, yeah, for sure. But I can vividly think of at least three goals this year where he takes it to his backhand and just roofs it, and the goalie has no idea where it's going. Oh, yeah, no. It's so, no it's so deceptive. And I just noticed that, like, the elite goal scorers um, and the more cerebral players in general, I see them doing that more, whereas I see lower-tier players just, like, constantly firing at five-hole. And I, and I wish that 
I mean, obviously I'm not a skills coach, but if, if I was, I feel like that would be a big harping focus for me is to find those, you know, find those moments where you can roof it and where you can not just shoot center mass and try to go five hole all the time. Cause I think goalies are so good at showing five hole and then closing it. So yeah. good. I mean, the, the, the initial goal, it's, it, like it's just amazing. Yeah, it is. It's bait. It absolutely is bait. Yep. You're absolutely right. And uh, yeah, no, I'm just remembering the Filipino backhander goal versus Carolina. Yep. Yep. That's a great, yeah. another great like, example. The goal, he had no idea. He, he didn't realize it was in the back of that. He's like, what the hell? Like, n- you can't, you can't predict where it's going. Yep. And yep. and it's, and it's not just only able to score. If they don't know exactly where it's go- going, it's hard to, to corral the puck and not, you know, create rebounds. And that all of a sudden, 10 times more rebounds. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. All right. So full disclosure here. I did not watch the all-star game. Got to be honest. I did not watch it. Um, I, I, I don't blame honest. you. I, I, it was, I, so I plan on watching the highlights of the skills competition. I don't know. The one thing that maybe sometimes once in a while, the skills competition is good. The rest of the, obviously like it's the all-star game. No, no one, you know, no one gives their all. Um, and I don't know. I, I know you watched it. So. Yeah. I mean, I'm a, I'm a sucker for, for hockey content, especially with the break and having no hockey. Um, I, I watched it, uh, the skills competition and the all-star game. Um, and, you know, we had talked a few weeks ago about about problems with the All-Star game. And the thing that struck me most, I think, was it's not just that they need better events or that they need – I don't think the three-on-three tournament really works. Um, it's not that they need to change the format so much as – I feel like they honestly just need to hire, like, actual writers to kind of script the stuff yeah. that is scripted. Because – and I made a tweet about this. When they had Sid and Ovi come out, it was the most awkward and boring thing ever. Like, PK is like – all right, so you guys are great competitors, you know, and you compete hard, but you still have a lot of respect for each other. Talk about that. And then it's like, Sid's like, yeah, you know, we have a lot of, we play hard, we compete hard, but we have a lot of respect for each other. And then it's like, this: you go to Ovi and it's the exact same thing, just with a Russian accent. And I'm like, and it took forever too. And I'm like, this isn't interesting. This is the most boring content I've ever seen. And I'm like, hire a writer, you know, or a team of writers that can actually like, hey, this will be an interesting, this will be funny like even yeah. the little, even the, um, and not just the, like the live broadcast, but even in the clips of stuff that's obviously, you know, shot ahead of time earlier in the day, it's like, was that supposed to be funny or interesting as an introduction? It's like, oh, here's Brady Kachuk walk, walking along the beach being like, oh yeah, I'm glad to be here. And I'm like, well, that's not a thing. Like just have a writer come in there and give them something funny and give some personality to it. And it would really liven up the broadcast. Even if everything else was the same, if it was just, there was just some thought and love put into it, but it's just like, it's almost like they're trying to have the players project their personality onto it. But then it's also so painfully obvious that these guys are, have been coached to not have a personality because it can be controversial. And I think the NHL just in general needs to let the players be themselves more. Like we see that so much more in the NFL and the NBA and even MLB where players are given a little bit more license to, to be, be funny sometimes also to be a little controversial. I think sometimes they just, they want to avoid controversy so much that they make things boring. And you know what? Like, is there anything greater than when Allen Iverson said practice like 50 times in, in, in two minutes when he was complaining about that? Like, I'm sure the maybe execs in the NBA cringed at that, but that was like a touchstone moment that has been memed. And, and I mean, it was even in Ted Lasso, like they, you know, like, like that type of stuff creates interest. It creates a connection between the game and the fans, 
nobody really wants to hear a player being like, oh, yeah, you know, it's us as a team. The team plays hard. It's like a guy goes out and scores five goals, and yet he still wants to talk about the team. It's like, no, it's fine if he can talk about himself a little bit, too, and have a little personality. Not everything. I mean, it's great that they, you know, that they're humble and selfless and all that sort of stuff. Like, those are great character traits, but they're not interesting character traits. And I think they need to let them off the leash a little bit more. Um, the one thing that I did really like, and I'm not sure if anyone else agrees with me, I love they did a golf thing where they played they played a golf hole with pucks, um, shooting pucks, um, you know, on the course until they got to the uh the green and then they had them putt with their stick. But I was like, man, I could have watched nine holes, 18 holes of that. I it was so interesting to me. Like I really, really liked that segment a lot. Um, and then the other thing that I that just made me laugh really hard, and I'm not and I don't like Ovi at all, but uh in the three-on-three final um i forget who it was who had a breakaway um and he was super far behind the play and he just throws his stick down the ice at him to try and jar the puck loose like the stuff you do when you're playing shinny you know yeah that, it was that, just that's so... the thing i that, that's one of the highlights i did so like i i don't i i mean i believe there is something with the skills competition that you could do to make it really entertaining for the fans it's just the game. You try to think of stuff. It is so hard because one, no one's getting it. They're all automatically because they're worried. One, they got to get injured. And two, what are, what are they really playing for here? You know, yeah. what's their motivation there? Goalies aren't going to give it their all because, yeah, again, worried that they're going to get injured. So it's like, I don't know what there is to it that they make could make that better. But I know with the skills competitions and all that, they, they there is something there that they could do with it. Yeah, you know, I, I, honestly. I just don't even know if an all-star game is really necessary at all. Um, you know, the only way I think you get people to play, to actually want to play for anything is kind of like what the MLB did, you know, with, with uh, making the, 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 the league have the, the home field advantage for the extra game in the World Series, you know, like that. I think that's cool. And maybe you do something like that too, that to make them play for it if you have the game. But honestly, I don't even think I, I need the game. The skills competition in that thing is so much more fun. Like there was a clip that I saw from the, the Pro Bowl where, where the guys are playing dodgeball against each other. And you could just see how much fun that they were having doing that. And I was like, man, I'd like to see these hockey guys do stuff like that too, where it's not even necessarily, you know, and that's what I liked about the golf thing too, where it was just like a fun event um, that was just kind of different um that let them be competitive but in a fun way and i think the more they can lean into that the better off it'll be um i was so nervous during the uh the fastest skater when who was it um wiped out um it was the first guy that skated. Now I can't think of who it was. Those are oh, so it's macar it is macar it's macar those are so dangerous by the way like players even said before I'm like you're coming out first time skating you're trying to yeah. go a hundred percent and yeah. you slip a little bit you go into the boards and you could you could seriously injure yourself yeah so, and that happened to kale mccarr on his on his first lap and i was like oh i cringed inside but at the same time that is one of the most exciting events too like that and the hardest shot and the accuracy are just like that is the highlight of the all-star game and of the skills competition because it's like the real competition competition between each other and where they can do that um, I, I love that. And I think there should be, those should be expanded and there should be more of that, but it's also that some of those events end up feeling a little bit dry, but it's because of the presentation. And that's what I mean by like hiring writers to kind of script things, keep things moving. So it's an entertaining package. It's also just like, I know it's obviously it's for 
you know, ultimately all these things are for advertisements. You know, we got to cram the commercials in there somehow. But my God, I couldn't believe how many commercial breaks there were. And I'm like, if I wasn't anything but a hardcore hockey fan, there's no way I'm tuning into this whole broadcast. Like, yeah. there's no way you'd get absolutely bored out of your mind. Um, so they just, they really need to hire some real TV professionals to come in there, producers and writers to make it something. Because whoever they got in-house is just not fitting the bill. And and that's not even a hot take. I think that's that's just that's no, what yeah, everyone no. is saying and thinking about it, but. Yeah, no, I, I think they have something with the skills competitions that they can make really entertaining. I, I just don't know what they could do with the game because it's, eh. yeah, I, I don't think there has can you play to be. Flag, can you play flag football on the ice? I mean, if you want someone to like probably uh, pop their shoulder or it's located. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess, I mean, that is the problem, I guess, with translating stuff like the, you know, like Pro Bowl has an easier time with doing stuff because you're on, you know, you're on turf. That makes a they lot could of make it things. like they don't have to make it three on three or four on four. They they can have a little twist to it. Like I don't know. They, there are twists. Like it doesn't have to be an actual. Like I don't know. Like this is not an example of what I would say because you know, like I, I don't play the game anymore. But you know, Shell. Like you know, there's the money puck where if you score, yeah. it's three goals. Like not that, but it's just something to have a unique take on it, right? During the game, and maybe you have all these things yeah. through happen during the game like that would have more to, but like this concept of best players versus best players it, it's not because nobody's trying because it doesn't it, matter and no one yeah. wants to get hurt yeah 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 and that's always going to be a problem with any all-star game format is people not giving 100 because it doesn't really matter which is why like and maybe, why should they yeah why should they you know but maybe if you do something where there is actually something that matters, you know, as far as like, uh, you know, home us advantage for the Stanley Cup final or whatever for the conference. Maybe something like that could put a little life into it. But I don't know that that necessarily immediately makes it more entertaining. I think there has to be other things as well. I just hope the NHL realizes that and and keeps trying stuff because um, I, I want it to be something that really feels, you know, special and really fun. Um, and throughout the, the two-day broadcast, there were moments that I found really enjoyable and that I really liked. But just overall, it was just like, man, this is not going to help convert one fan over, which that's exactly what an all-star like, game should you be. You know what they could do? They all play with wooden sticks. God, yes, that'd be amazing. I'd love to see that. That that would See, that would be something. Yep, 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 you know. Like, so they, they just they could have their little twist on it. Like, it doesn't have to be just a regular hockey game that's what makes it boring because no one's trying yeah exactly you take the effort away and it really changes things so yeah just stuff like that you know um so yeah anyway i am i've said my piece about the all-star game and we'll pick this up next year when i'll complain about the exact same things all over again but for now i think i've like i've said my fill about the all-star game and uh just to wrap things up again just want to thank uh bill Pito once again um i mean i've just been such a massive fan of his um and just being able to talk to him was just an absolute joy and can't wait to have him on again. And, uh, and very thankful to MSG, not just for the people that they have on that, that make the broadcast so good. Um, but also for, you know, allowing us, uh, us guys to be able to talk to him. It's a, it's a real pleasure and an absolute privilege. Yeah. 100%. Uh, yeah. Very, very grateful. Uh, it was terrific. And uh, for all you listeners there, thank you so much for listening. Um, I believe pending any, other things that happen it goes back to monday mornings as of next week um i know this one was different uh but yeah the next ones will be early in the morning monday morning so when you commute 
do uh, whatever you do. Uh, it'll be already live. And yeah, I, th I think that's it. We also have hopefully one or two other really, really good guests this month. So stay tuned for that. It's, it's going to be. Yeah. It's exciting. It, really it's, exciting. It's going to be really, really, really exciting. exciting. Yeah. Alrighty. So thank you so much guys. And uh, we'll see you guys next time.